Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Nords. So we am good ready. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Did you know that this was the week of all the tech news? I didn't. I I wish I got a warning that literally every piece of tech news was going to drop in early August. So much has dropped that you need to, to be, like, mentally prepared for this. But we're going to start off with something a little quirky. Like the fact that researchers in Australia have found a way to perform the Meltdown hack, which was originally only found to be a vulnerability in Intel chips, to work on certain Galaxy S7 smartphones. Whoops. So, let's make sure we have this straight now. Meltdown Meltdown and Spectre, the two big vulnerabilities. I want to actually be clear. I'm actually getting ahead of myself. Meltdown refers to a certain kind of CPU vulnerability. It is not actually any sort of flaw that actually generates heat within the phone. It does not actually cause any sort of actual meltdown. But it is a vulnerability that exists within the mechanism in CPUs that try to predict what the user is going to do in order to make everything run faster. And this is originally found in every Intel CPU after the Pentium D. So, Core Solos, Core Duos, Core 2 Duos, Core 2 Quads, Core i5s, Core i3s, Core i7s, new Core i9s, All of those were affected by Meltdown. Actually, no, I take that back. The i9s never were affected by Meltdown. Those escaped it, because those were made after the discovery. And originally it was thought to be only an Intel vulnerability. Well, It turns out the Cortex-A75, that's the processor that pounds, that pounds, that powers the Galaxy S7, you can also use the Meltdown exploit on that processor to access data on the phone that normally you're not allowed to do. And that's the key with this vulnerability. Despite the name Meltdown, it does not actually exist to destroy the hardware with excessive heat. Its sole purpose is to steal data that is normally not allowed to be accessed. Such as, for example, I am running two different things on my desktop right now. I am running the Spreaker Studio software, which is currently recording this podcast, and I'm running... OBS, which is broadcasting that same podcast out to Twitch. Normally, those two can't talk to each other. In fact, 
with the way the controls are, I can actually say things to the people on Twitch in real time that the people on Spreaker, that's all of you who are listening right now on iHeartRadio, on iTunes, or on whatever, you'll never hear them. And that's because the way the computer is, certain data is only accessible to Spreaker, and certain data is only accessible to OBS. But if, say, malicious code use the Meltdown exploit, it can get access to either of those data, even though that malicious code is not allowed access to anything. That's where the scary part of Meltdown comes into play. Now, let's be perfectly fair here. It is extremely difficult to take advantage of the Meltdown exploit. It really is. But the fact that it exists means that someone can develop code in the form of a virus and take full advantage of it. Right now, the easiest way to avoid meltdown is the same way you avoid any kind of virus. Don't be stupid. I know that sounds simple, but that's literally the easiest way to avoid it and with the fact that along with meltdown the specter vulnerability also exists which is something that's a bit more complicated than meltdown and that affects everything you really should just be careful all around going to virus.ru is a bad thing to do don't do that don't go to suspiciouscite.com Use sites you trust. For the record, because people in Twitch are asking if that's real, I have no idea if those are real sites. I don't want to find out if those are real sites. Just just execute some common sense. Besides, almost every phone, every scam right now, oddly enough, is not being done on websites. It's being done through email. And for whatever reason, it's co- it's being done on cell phones. By calling them. So, with that being said, let's move on to some happier news. Let's talk about something happier. That's, that's not about how uh, there are major security vulnerabilities inside all processors ever. Including Android ones. Let's instead talk talk about how uh, Razer decides to be thinner, happier, and about the same amount of productive. The Razer Blade, which is Razer's mid-range gaming laptop. I'm not going to say it's blatantly ripping off the Dell XPS... But it's definitely taking on some very characteristic properties with the Dell XPS. Mainly the fact that the bezels along the side of the screen have gotten much thinner. Much like the Dell XPS. 
And in fact, it's gotten so slim that they can fit a 15-inch screen into the body of the 14-inch laptop that they originally had. On top of that, they are fitting in a Core i7-8750H, which, if you give me a moment, I can tell you all about that processor, including 16 gigs of DDR4 RAM, that's really good, 512 gigs of SSD performance, that's the NVMe variety, so crazy fast, along with a GTX 1070 Max-Q. What does Max-Q mean? It means that it's going to be slightly less powerful than an actual 1070. Yeah, I bet you didn't see that one coming. You th- you hear Max-Q and you're like, oh man, that means it's 1070 the max. No. It means it's actually lower powered so it can fit into a narrow chassis and not cause an actual meltdown. But to be perfectly honest, it's not that much of a performance loss, but there are there is a noticeable performance loss. That processor, on the other hand, is a big deal. And I actually wasn't sure off the top of my head whether it was going to be this way or not. The i7-8750 is, in fact, the 6-core variety of Intel's new mobile chips with 12 threads, base clock speed of 2.2 gigahertz, Boost clocking all the way up to 4.1 gigahertz with a TDP of 45 watts, which is about normal for that high power of a laptop. So, this thing is going to be fast, but, but, Before you get so excited about this high-powered, high-performance, super-thin gaming laptop, I want to remind you about something. Remember the MacBook Pro? And how it suffered from major thermal problems? Granted, that one had more than just a bad cooling solution, but that was part of it. I am actually very curious, and unfortunately, we'll probably have to wait until next week to talk about it, what the cooling solution is inside the Razer Blade. I'm hoping, I really am hoping, Razer did the smart thing and actually put in a bigger fan, more areas for the air to escape through the heat pipes, bigger heat sinks, And multiple heat pipes. I think this can be cooled properly. But to just slap one heat pipe over it like Apple did and hope for the best, on a higher-end 6-core processor, is stupid. And before I get even more hate mail in my inbox from Apple fanboys... Who have been trying to tell me that Apple that the MacBook Pro was designed by engineers who are smarter than me? I will be the first to acknowledge. Yeah, I have stupid moments, but I'm not so stupid as to put one heat pipe and think everything's gonna be fine. 
I will still stand by that. And guess what? Everyone else talking about this agrees. So hopefully, Razer did not make the same flaw as the MacBook Pro. Because yes, it is a flaw. It is a glaring design flaw. Let's talk about new chips. So remember how earlier I was talking about Meltdown? Well, let's talk about for a minute a major problem inside the professional high-end space of computing. Like, normally down on the consumer levels, we don't care that much. In fact, for something like Meltdown, although it's something that the average user should be aware of, they're not the target of that level of sophisticated attack. Big servers are. Yeah, get that code into a server. Oh yeah, let's start reading passwords that I'm totally not supposed to see. It's a gold mine. So of course, every single big company that runs Xeon processors, which are the bigger, higher end, much beefier, crazy powerful processors that run basically every server in existence. I said basically, not all of them. Not that foolish. They have been waiting for any update that the Xeons are getting a fix to Meltdown. Because they're not! They don't have anything! At least us here down in the gaming arena... We've at least got the new 6-core process, this new 8th generation Intel chips that are immune to Meltdown. The Xeons don't have that yet. Although, the Xeons definitely beat us in core count. Without a doubt. I mean, believe it or not, 28 cores is higher than 6. I know that's shocking. 28 is a bigger it's a bigger number. So, we have Cascade Lake. The new high-end Xeon processors. These are due in 2019. And these will finally finally bring out the high-end server processors, and bring out meltdown protection to those high-end workstations, to those high-end servers. Huzzah, huzzah. Now, besides just being fascinating, what does that mean for the rest of us? Because let's be honest, most of you listening to me right now do not have servers in in your closet. I'm just the weird one who does that. It does mean, though, for those of you who scavenge out for off-lease equipment, 
there is going to be a boatload of these high-end workstations, of these high-end servers, of this high-end equipment. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of chuckling right now because Twitch chat is talking about how Intel's just go back to selling 486s. Which is one of the earliest processors Intel has ever made. And trying to go over the pros and cons. Uh, actually, just the pros of using 486s instead of 28-core Xeons. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we are going to be seeing Cascade Lake this year. And I'm actually wrong. They are actually shipping Q4 of 2018. These will be 14 nanometer. So the rest of us will start seeing precision workstations, power edges, ProLiance, whatever the heck Lenovo calls their servers, ThinkStations, everything. There is going to be a massive early lease ending of this sort of equipment. I, for one, am looking forward to it. But I, I just bought some minor things, so I, it's going to be a while before I could buy one of those. Now, one thing to note... Stop that. One thing to note. Cascade Lake is going to be 14 nanometer. We are not going to see 10 nanometer until theoretically on Ice Lake in 2020. To which, the next question comes out. Is Intel just going to add Lake to the end of everything they can for all their processors from here on out? Am I, should I just assume that everything is going to be a talk processor? We've had... What have we had? We've had... Cabby Lake... Coffee Lake, whatever the heck the last lake was, Cascade Lake, Cooper Lake, now Ice Lake. Oh, it's it's getting up there with being annoying. But speaking of, speaking of hilariously overpowered processors, AMD has announced the second generation Threadripper processors with 32 cores. On one processor. Which means that the Epic version of this 32 core processor can have crazy workstations of up to 64 cores. Assuming Epic does not exceed the 32. Which it still can That's nuts. And now, they're kind of doing two different tiers for these Threadripper chips. Threadripper's kind of, the two tiers are, the bottom tier is supposed to be for gamers, 
which, by the way, if you're getting a Threadripper just for gaming, don't do it. That's a bad idea. You can get a lot more performance going with something smaller. In fact, not trying to sound like an Intel fanboy, but you're going to get better performance on a Core i7 than you are on the low-end Threadripper, which is a 12-core processor. Games just don't comprehend how to handle too many cores. And then they have the higher core count ones for content creators. But kind of back on the note I just mentioned, why split it this way? Because let's be honest, there's only one workload in existence that benefit, well, two, two main workloads that benefit from multiple cores like this, to this degree. One is video editing. Video editing, video editing pieces of software want all the cores they can get. And the second one is scientific research. And that same scientific research, whether Unjust Banana realizes it or not, really want high-end coprocessors more than they want high-end CPUs, but will still take the high-end CPU, CPUs in addition to those coprocessors. So, I mean, yeah, you can go be crazy. By all means, I'm not going to stop you. You want to go get a 12-core or 16-core Threadripper for gaming? Go ahead. But don't come back to me and say, Oh, why can't I break 60 frames? My CPU is being weird. And then you go in detail and find out that it's maxing out four cores and has no idea what the heck to do with the other eight. Or better yet, you're playing Terra and realize that Terra has no idea how to comprehend more than one core. Yeah, still not letting that go. Let's move on then to our next topic. Let's get away from processors for a bit. Let's instead talk about how uh, Discord is playing tag with Steam. So, last week, or was it the week before, I kind of lost track. Regret the van comments that Terra would run happily on a 486. I hate to break it to you, Regret. Terra does not run happily on anything. I don't think it even matters if you, like, somehow jury-rig together some sort of virtual processor and pump, like, 128 Xeon cores into this one processor to make one processor think it's at, like, 
200 gigahertz or something crazy like that. I don't even think that's possible. But even if you somehow did do that, I think even then Terra would be unhappy. And yes, PUBG would be unhappy too. Because they're both made by the same game studio. And somehow we still think Blue Hole can make games right. Which still just blows me away. That for some reason we still take Blue Hole Studios seriously. As a competent game developer. Rabbit Amoeba in the ch- chat says, my, my six cores seem to work well enough. And they will. They absolutely will. I mean, heck. I run into no problems here and I'm using an old mobile quad-core processor. And, well, my gaming rig is an abomination to mankind. That doesn't count. And it's still fine. But we're talking about excessive workloads. Like, for example, I'm working on making a game editing server that edits multiple videos at a time, and long videos at that. And that one I plan on being a dual six-core system down the road. That's what these Xeons are more for. But anyway, uh, back to Discord and Steam playing tag. So, a while back, and by a while back I mean a couple weeks ago or a week ago, one of the two, Steam went and altered their entire messaging service to mimic Discord. You know Discord, the messenger service that's supposedly only for gamers, but let's be honest, has very quickly begun to be more popular for just about everything. And in fact is becoming a threat and already has been a threat to services like Skype. Which, let's be honest, you forgot about Skype until I said the word Skype. Didn't you? Yeah, see, see, I can see you guys raise your hands over there even though all I can see is a white wall. Well, uh, yeah, Steam copied Discord, so Discord decided, you know what, we're going to copy Steam. We're going to go sell games. I am dead serious. Discord has started up a game store beta. Now, right off the bat, I have to ask a few questions. First off, why? Do you need to monetize that badly? I guess. I mean, I mean, good for you if you guys think you can pull it off. But the other thing is that you think the Discord client's starting to become a little bloated? You think that, uh, you don't think this is going to be a problem? Well, according to my contact within Discord, they claim that, uh, this will not affect the client. And I hope it won't, because that will easily kill 
Discord's growing dominance. It really will. And people are already are, are already kind of joking. Oh, Eagle doesn't know what, what it's like to be a corporate shill. I do, but at the same time, you need to do what you do well first. Before you go do something else. And the fact that the Discord store is going to be a part of the client is troubling. It would be another thing if it was like, oh yeah, visit the Discord store. And it was just a button on the client that takes you to a website where it had a 0% chance of affecting the client negatively. That would be one thing. But this is going to be in the client, which means there's going to be more bloat on top of the screen sharing bloat you never use, except that one time because it was kind of neat. On top of the direct voice-to-voice bloat that you use occasionally... On top of the video calling, you forgot that it does, except for those who actually who didn't use Discord as it was originally designed. <laughs> I and many other people are concerned that this is going downhill fast. That this is starting to become too much for one client to handle. Now, I signed up for the beta. I'm hoping to hear back so I can evaluate how this will all work. Because I love Discord. I love the service. I think they're doing an amazing thing with that client. And it works phenomenally. And I do want to see how it's implemented rather than hear someone else talk about how it's being implemented. So, I hope them all the best. We'll see how things go down. Let's move on to the other announcement in the streaming world that has kind of, uh... That kind of caught uh, everyone by surprise, that... It was the Twitch feature that no one asked for, but people instantly loved it and then instantly started to dislike it as they started using it. Okay, Rabbit Amoeba in the chat has corrected me. Rabbit Amoeba asked for it. So Twitch listened to Rabbit Amoeba and maybe three other people... (laughs) (laughs) so basically here's how the feature works okay so normally on twitch if you want to gift a sub which by the way gifting a subscription was one of the things that was asked for the most and only what eight months ago did we finally get it nine months ago like it was late last year we finally got it And now we've gotten a fine-tuned version of it. Before, you could only gift one sub at a time, and you had to pick that target out by hand. Well, what if you want to just gift out a bunch to random people? 
Why not? Because you're just you're just like that. The chat says that that gift subs started last October. So we're closing in on we're closing in on it being almost a year old. It's about 10 months old now. He says counting in his head to make sure his math is right. Yeah, 10 months old. This new one allows you to just buy one batch and have it go out to random people. Now, on the early bird briefing, I did cover this the day it came out, and I said that its primary target was going to be the streamers who want to give back to the community and just gift out to a random person. Like say, oh, you guys have been super generous t- today here. Let's d- let's give out five, ten, ten subs. Because I do know quite a number of streamers who did that the old-fashioned way. And it was a mess. It took them forever to find someone who, who wasn't subbed. Actually get their name and actually be able to click it to gift it. And then if they did too many in a row, their ability to to gift subs was blocked. One streamer in particular, and I mentioned this in the early bird briefing as well, who one streamer in particular, Seven Sins, had this happen to him what? Ten times? He tried giving back to his community, and his card was blocked! Ten times, at least! So, this solves that, but... The update I want to give for this... Is that, first off... I was wrong. I severely underestimated... The generosity of the average Twitch viewer... Because I have seen on multiple occasions now, even here in this channel, of people using it to gift out bulk subs at random. But one thing that was noticed within, what, 36, 48 hours of the feature going live? The algorithm for how it picks the recipient of the sub gift is terrible. It literally does just pick it at random. There is literally zero thought that goes into it. In fact, the couple that I've had here, they went to what I suspect are viewer bots. Bot accounts that their sole purpose in life is to watch a stream and get clips to put them into their own video For a compilation of things like, oh, wacky Twitch moments found on Twitch TV here on YouTube, herdy-derdy-der, things like that. Accounts that you see constantly in chat that never talk or never react. Now, in fairness, they could also easily have been lurkers, who are people that turn on your stream and just go, go do their normal work and just have your stream on in the background. But there are still plenty of people who are active in chat 
who were ignored. And in fact, several streamers, once again, Seven Sins and Baru, both pointed out that they were getting... That they were seeing sub-gifts going out to people they have banned. That that's how bad and random the algorithm is. It doesn't even check to see if the recipient of the sub-gift is banned from chatting. Oh, that's not very smart now, is it? So yeah, people love the feature... More thought needs to be brought into this. And for the record, it's been a while since I actually... The tweets were actually put out yesterday. I believe it was Baru who said that sub-gifts went out to banned people. I'm pretty sure Seven Sins only said that the people it was picking were just very inactive members of the chat. Alright, let's move on to some rumored news. And the only reason I say rumored news is because it is not... that this is the only source I can find that's talking about this. So. Fallout 76, according to oc3d.net will not be released on Steam. That the PC version will only be available on Bethesda.net. Wonderful. So, in a world where Origin has their own game launching platform, Steam has their own game launching platform, Discord wants their own game launching platform, Bethesda also wants to just bypass all that and just go, yeah, you know, here, here you go. Now, I don't know if... Bethesda.net just refers to the website? Or if there actually is going to be a Steam competitor called Bethesda.net? They weren't very clear in this article about that. It's also not clear if this announcement, supposedly from Bethesda, is about the beta and not about the official version. But the fact that we have... PC game launch platform after PC game launch platform after PC game launch platform after PC game launch platform and on and on and on and on and on and on. I am both annoyed and happy to see this decision out of Bethesda. On one hand, please just let me put a shortcut in my start menu.
I can't even tell you how annoyed I am to go, all right, I'm streaming this game today. Is that a game I have to bring up over in this folder? Is that a game I have on the Twitch client, which I forgot to close today? Is that something that's in Steam? Or is that a game I have to go buy on Origin, which I can't buy on Origin, because every single time I try to make an account on Origin, they say my name has a swear in it! Still irked by that, by the way. So, I don't know. I've, I've got mixed feelings about about this, if this is confirmed to be true. OC3D.net does say it's an official announcement, but they're the only one, at least at the time I did show prep, that was confirming this. No one else has confirmed this, so either nobody else cares, or... Something doesn't smell right. Although, let's go back to the story about viruses. And about how a computer virus cripples an iPhone chip maker. An iPhone chip maker had their entire network infected with a virus. Not an actual viral attack. An actual, oops, I went to, I went to virus.net and got a virus, which crippled the entire network. (laughs) And in case you think I'm making that up, no. They have confirmed the virus that struck Friday night, which is when this happened, was not caused by a hacker. (laughs) That entire plant, whose sole existence is to create chips for Apple, for Samsung, for NVIDIA, for anyone who is not Intel and AMD... I mean, I exaggerate, but not by much. Production was ground completely to a halt. By one twit... Stop making noise, computer. By one twit... Who opened a bad link in an email. Come on, man. Come on. It's unbelievable. I actually changed my mind. I'm going to talk about that last. Let's move on over to... uh, To how Facebook wants to... Link your bank account over Messenger. And how this little thing, which was thought to be a rumor, is in fact, yes, it's moving forward. It is very moving forward. (laughs) 
Facebook wants their system to integrate in with your bank so that you can send money over the Facebook Messenger app. Now, more than likely, any sort of transactions done that way, Facebook would probably take a small cut to cover their transaction fees. And to cover their other fees. But, um... Really? You're going to trust Facebook with that? The world's biggest target of personal data in existence? A company that sells your data in a heartbeat, in addition to suffering so many break-ins that those same companies can just get your data without handing over a cent. You're going to trust Facebook with your bank information. That's not a great plan. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm going to pass on the linking my banks with Facebook. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Instead, how about I talk about, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about something silly. I want you, regret the van in chat says, from what he hears, they are bullying banks to comply. Whether they're bullying or not, like, let, let, I'm going to ignore, let's just ignore that fact for a minute. Let's ignore the fact Let's ignore whether Facebook is trying to get banks to forcefully comply or not with this plan. Let's ignore that for a minute. Would anyone actually trust Facebook with their bank data? I mean, that's a special sweet spot of being ignorant. Because even the completely ignorant who'd be like, oh, link my face, my bank data with Facebook? Why would I do that? I, I, I give cash. I, I give paper money thing. And those who are smart enough to... Actually, no, it's even better than that, because the ones who would be really ignorant on that whole thing wouldn't know how to give the information over to even do the link. It just wouldn't even happen. And then the ones who are smart enough to know what a bank routing number is and an account number to even create that sort of link would go, wait a minute. Why would I trust you to do that? After you're in the news every other week for a data breach. No. It's just no. Although at the very end of this podcast, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two Last Burbs segments. Even though that defies the purpose of Last Burbs. I got a good scammer story for you guys. 
Let's instead talk, though, about how Gigabyte has made easily the most absurd motherboard I have ever seen. Complete with unnecessary coverings. Stainless steel, diamond plate, looks to, well, not diamond plate, but brushed metal steel covers. Eight RAM slots. Sized for the uh, for the Threadripper 2 motherboards. Or for the Threadripper 2 socket. Four PCI Express slots. More SATA connections than you'd ever need. And complete with RGB literally everywhere. And you'll never guess how many USB Type 3 ports there are on this. Or, US, yeah, USB 3 ports there are on this. I'll give you a hint, it's 10. Ten of them. And just for... And and just to make things even better, a 10 gigabit Ethernet in addition to Wi-Fi. And of course, it wouldn't be complete with RGB lighting on the chipset spreader, RGB lighting on the border near the PCI Express slots, RGB lighting just above the I.O. on top of the MOSFETs and everything for the CPU, and RGB underglow. Yes, RGB lighting on the back of the motherboard to to illuminate the area behind the motherboard to give it that extra special RGB glow. With a black PCB and all of the styling to make this look like the sleekest all-metal sports car it possibly could be. It is over the top. It is unnecessary. No one needs this much RGB on a board. No one needs this level of power in a desktop. It is completely unnecessary, and I really, really want it. <laughs> Just look at this thing. It's absurd. The only thing this thing is missing, and it would be like my dream over-the-top board, is an additional place to have a server-grade raid card on it so that I could raid five my SSDs for maximum redundancy and stupid crazy speed. That's literally the only thing missing. Oh, yeah. Also, by the way, on top of everything else that was announced today, uh, did you know the Galaxy Note 9 was also announced? On a completely different topic? Yeah, that one kind of slipped under the radar. New processors out of AMD. New processors out of, out of Intel. Facebook wanting to integrate, <laughs> integrate with your bank. Twitch announcing new sub-gifting options. Discord wanting to be Steam. Razer launches a new laptop. 
Yeah, the Note 9 is actually existing. And fortunately... Well, I mean, fortunately, the Note 9 came out after the Note 8. And the Note 8, unlike the Note 7, didn't explode. Yeah, uh, Samsung learned that you absolutely should not skip a number when making your phone, because then that number will explode. So, fortunately, because they didn't skip a number, the Note 9 will not explode. We actually don't know. But one thing that actually is of note is, first off, a couple things that are interesting. First off, the construction of the phone... Well, how do I put this? They actually did put a bit more of an advanced cooling system in it. This phone actually does have a heat pipe in it to help dissipate heat. And now I can't make... The, there There we go. So alongside the left side of the phone, there actually is a heat pipe that will help dissipate the CPU heat. Because this CPU actually is quite a bit faster. This is 53% faster than last generation's Note 8. And the Note 8 was no slouch. It didn't use the fastest CPU that was out there, because, Lord knows, all they wanted the Note 8 to do was just be as good as the Note 7 and not explode. That was Samsung's goal here. Clearly. So we've got a much faster CPU, we've got a noticeably faster GPU, most importantly, we have six gigs of RAM in this phone. Which sounds crazy. But let's be honest, the inefficiencies of Android, you really do want more RAM. More RAM is more better. I think six is finally going to be an amount that Android will run happy. For a very, very long time. Unless you do something really crazy. In addition, it is water resistant. Supposedly waterproof. But we're just going to say it's water resistant. The S Pen has Bluetooth built in it. It is an active... It is actually an actively charged pen. Much like the Apple Pencil and the... Uh, what's the name of it? The Microsoft Surface. So, these pens actually do have a battery in them and will behave much like those devices, which is pretty close to how the top-tier Wacom tablets behave. There's facial recognition. There's a fingerprint reader on the back. There is a full-size 4,000 milliamp battery which I will note is the same capacity of the batteries that did explode in the Note 7. But we have no proof yet that they will. We have stereo speakers, and most importantly, we have the forbidden port. We have a headphone jack. Oh. Thank Lord. 
I am so glad that that is not being mimicked by by Apple's competitors. That was my biggest fear, that when Apple removed the headphone jack on the iPhone 7, everyone else was going to do it. And I'm glad to see Samsung's not. And I'm not going to lie, as an owner of an iPhone 7, I thought for the longest time, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care that a headphone jack goes missing. I've started caring. Now, Unjust Man in the chat has, in fact, noticed the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is the fact that, uh... Well... Unfortunately, Samsung did copy one element of Apple. The base model of the Galaxy Note 9... Which which starts with 128 gigs of internal storage, but also does have a SD SD card slot, so you can add more. Does start at a thousand dollars. Oof, that's a that's a blow. I'm not gonna lie. And it can go up to $1,240, I'm sorry, $1,250 for the 512 gigabyte variant, which I think is actually more expensive than the highest end of the iPhone X. But just so I'm not exactly a liar, I am going to quickly check while I am stalling for time right now. You see, I'm just going to go here. I'm going to, I'm going to select, I'm going to pick my carrier... I'm going to pick Space Gray because that looks pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, the highest end iPhone 10 is $1,149, but that only has 256 gigabytes of internal storage. The $1,000 variant only has 64 gigabytes of internal storage. So, good deal? And unlike the iPhone X, the Note 9 does have a bezel on the top and bot on the top and bottom. But do you know what that means? There's no stupid notch. To which I say, good. Now let's move on to the last burb, the last story of the day, the wackiest story of the day. And that is Razer starting a Kickstarter campaign to make a left-handed mouse. Yes, Razer. The company that sells mice and keyboards hand over fist. The company that has a cult-like following... Among a large chunk of the gaming community needs to raise money to make a left-handed mouse. And that's not the worst part. 
It's not even the fact that they went to Kickstarter to raise money for a left-handed mouse. I want you to sit down for this. They are asking for $1 million to develop a left-handed mouse. (laughs) What? Razor, what do you need a million dollars for to take this mouse you have right here, one of these, and flip it around Find someone on the street who's left hand and say, here, use this. Does this feel nice to you? You need a million dollars to do that. Folks, no. And I, I hate calling people idiots when I don't know their reasons. But I'm sorry, the 365 backers who have put in $43,103 for Razer to develop a left-handed mouse, which I remind you, Razer already has a research and development department just for designing their mice for right-handed users. I'm sorry, but the 365 of you who have done this are stupid. There is no excuse for this. There really is no excuse for trying to get a million dollars to flip a mouse, find some people who are left-handed play with it, get feedback, and make tweaks as necessary. It is absolutely absurd. Now, I did promise one last story. My last story actually is a bit personal. All right? This is actually a scam that I that has actually called me now on my phone four times. These scammers have tried calling me, and I've actually answered once and started talking back to them. The actual pitch from the robot is that the federal government is shutting down all tech support, and therefore you are entitled to a refund. Because all tech support everywhere is being shut down. I'm not going to lie. The first two times this pitch called me up. I hung up and bursted out laughing for five minutes. It's the most absurd claim ever. The third time they called me, I was busy. I I couldn't, I just hung up right away. The fourth time, I decided to inquire a bit. Now, those of you who are watching live in the chat, I want you to 
guess where this scam is going. Because you know it's going to be a scam. Where do you think the scam is going? Remember, they're saying all tech support is being shut down. And that I am entitled to a refund if I have received tech support within the last... I can't remember exactly what time frame they said. Alright? That's where this, that's where the, that's where their pitch is. No, no, not, not what location specifically. How am I going to get scammed? Are they going to steal information? Do they want a, a small amount of money? Do they want my credit card number? What do they want? All right, let's see if I can guess this. All right, so I call and I, and I and I start questioning. I start questioning why the federal government is shutting down all tech support. Their reason is because there are too many scammers. <laughs> The scammers are saying there are too many scammers, so all so the federal government decided all tech support should be shut down. <laughs> yeah, okay. I I believe you. So so then they they inquired again. Uh, again, what was the tech support you received? And for fun, I told them something hard related. I I told them my graphic card in my desktop was recently replaced. They asked me what was the cost on that, and I said, "Oh, it was it was a uh, it was a two thousand dollar repair. Um, they, they they put a Titan in my desktop. Totally. I figured, fine, you're going to give me a refund. Let's go big. How are you going to prove it? All right. So they then transfer me to the tech support specialist." Even though the federal government is shutting down all tech support, but whatever. I then get to the tech support specialist. I ask them, how am I going to get tech support? I mean, I'm just an unknowing guy. I I don't work on these computers at all, says the guy who refurbished computers for five years. Actually, more than that. Oh, you, for all software support, you just go to Microsoft.com, and for all hardware support, you go to the Microsoft Store. Yeah, okay. I want to see the Microsoft Store be perfectly okay with me bringing in my HP Z800. Those guys are going to take one look at that and go, why do you have this? But here's the kicker. And keep in mind, I'm driving down the road. I don't have a computer in front of me. They then start asking me to get in front of my computer so that they can install their security system. That was their play. Their play this whole time. Trying to say that all tech support is being shut down and you need a refund is just to get you to to give them remote access to install some malware on your computer. The kicker in all of this is 
I've been trying to actually get this entire thing recorded. But of course, because my phone doesn't have a headphone jack, and every single adapter I'm trying won't work with my capture card, I can't get it. It's just adding insult to injury on top of all this. To make it even better, if you have them just go straight to voicemail, they'll leave a number. The number is invalid. These scammers are so bad, they can't even give you the correct number to call them to get scammed. I have never before met a scammer who is this incompetent. And yes, they were clearly from India. So there. I felt I at least needed to get you that fun story to close out this week and start the next one. That's going to do it for me. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at eaglefalcontech at gmail.com. Take care, and I'll see you next week.